good morning. You all are, are just full of it this morning. It's great. It's great to hear you all talking, chatting out there this morning. Um, my name is Paul Smith, and I'm the worship pastor here at the church. And uh, if I haven't met you yet, I hope you'll come up sometime after service maybe and just uh, say hi, say hello, or just wait until I run to, into you in the grocery store later on this week because you know what's going to happen because it's Corvallis. So, you, you know, whenever you find me out there, say hello. I'd love to get to meet you and get to know you. We're going to talk today about, um, yeah, patience. And, and I, you know, as I studied this week, I tried to think about what are the things in my life that cause me to become impatient? You know, try to think of a list of things. And, and normally I'm a pretty patient guy. But then I started thinking of things like uh, waiting at doctor's office. I'm pretty good at that. I'm okay with that. Uh, driving behind slow people, I'm all right. But my family might have a little bit different story for you. They can give you the stories later. How about, I wasn't going to mention Congress, but well, there I mentioned it. A little impatient with that. How about reality TV? I have no patience for it. I just turn it off, most of it. So irritating. Um, but then I thought of it. I thought of the one thing that drives me crazy. It gets my blood boiling. I can't control my temper, and it's my dog. <laughs> Some of you, your lap, you know what I'm talking about, right? You guys have. Patience problems with your dog? So you're thinking, some of you are thinking, I know what he's got. He's got a big black lab, tears holes in his backyard, chews through his cedar fence, right? And knocks people over when they come to visit, knocks over the furniture, eats the furniture. Because it would have to take something like that to get me to, you know, for my blood pressure to go up, right? Right? No, no. Sadly, it doesn't take that much. Matter of fact, here, let me introduce you. <laughs> To the tester of my patience. <laughs> this is Riley, R-Y-L-E-E. -E. She's a little girl dog. And is she so irritating or what? <laughs> no, she's not. But, but uh, we, we got Riley um, from Grandma. Alyssa's mom raises this breed of dog. And, and uh, when, when we go and visit, she wants to give a gift to the grandkids. And, well, here you go. And uh, she's very generous. And... Sometimes we have to put Riley in quarantine, you know, like when we were house training her, we put up a gate in one room and she stays in there. And then at nighttime, she doesn't like being uh, away from people. And so we go to bed and you start hearing the little, little, little dog yip. And then it turns into a really annoying little dog yip, bark, whatever you call it. And then it escalates to this sound that I have no idea how it comes out of this little dog. It's just screaming and I don't know. It's irritating. So you get up out of bed and you're, you go downstairs and you, and you know you're losing it because you're talking to the dog. You say, you know, shut up. Okay? And, uh, and but, but as soon as she sees you, she's quiet. So you go back to bed. And then, then it just starts this whole cycle. Okay? And then you're back into bed. And you're back out of bed. And now the, the kids are awake. And you're just, you add it up to here. All over a little dog. It doesn't take much sometimes, does it? But now Riley has to say goodbye. <laughs> not for good. I'm not getting rid of her. It's not that bad. <laughs> and if Pastor Kurt were here, he'd just put her in a little box and poof, she'd disappear. But 
Thanks, Riley. But, um, yeah, I wonder what Jesus would do at 3 a.m. with Riley. I, I don't know. But we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, but let's pray before we start. God, we want to be like you. Uh, thank you for coming to be with us and teaching us how to live through your son, Jesus. Teach us today and help us to take what you teach us, God, and live it out in our lives so that we can honor you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the patience of a saint was the, the title I came up with. There are a couple kinds of patience that we normally think about. There's the kind when we find ourselves waiting on God, normally in the midst of some kind of trial, and we're waiting uh, patiently on an answer to a prayer. Uh, this kind of patience is certainly spoken about and encouraged and exemplified in the lives of, of some people in the Bible. And if you're in this situation today, I encourage you to wait on him patiently and expectingly. God has a plan and it will prevail, even though it might not come in the time you think it should. And it may not play out the way you've envisioned, but you can be sure that God's plan is good. And it will bring him honor when we acknowledge that his will and his plan is supreme. But the other angle on patience is the one I want to focus on a little bit more today. And it has to do with our ability or inability just to deal with things that, that get us irritated or make us act out in anger toward people around us. Why talk about it? Well, we should pay attention to this and put importance on it because patience is part of what it takes to be a servant. Okay, and if you're a follower of Christ and desire to be like Christ, then eventually your life will be a lot about, maybe all about, how can I be a good servant toward others? Because Jesus was just that. He was a servant. We see it in the Gospels. Jesus is doing everything he could to serve people. He did it to glorify himself, of course, to point to God and the nature of God and God's holiness but also to show us how to live life pleasing to God as servants. Christ did this even to the point of giving his life for us. Let's look at this, uh, this scripture in Mark ten forty two. It says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen to Paul in Philippians 2. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read this. Your attitude, it says, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the attitude we're to have the attitude of a servant. And part of the way Jesus served was simply to love 
Okay, the verb kind of love, the action kind of love that's described in 1 Corinthians 13. And a lot of you know this by heart. And it says what? Love is, yeah, first thing that comes in that list is patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. And let me read the rest. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. And it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I think if you read the Gospels, you'll see that that describes the way Jesus lived. He lived out 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. So we need to excel in patience as part of our goal To live in obedience to God, who tells us that we need to love others and be servants. So the text I want to focus on today is is in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. It's one of four books called the Gospels that teach us about Christ and what he did during his life of ministry here on earth. First ten chapters of Mark talk about what Jesus does, how he lives out that life of, of being a servant. It's talking about everything that he's doing uh, as he interacts with people. He has plans and he goes about his ministry. He is intent on being certain places and to do certain things, but being there on time is not always his priority. Okay? Uh, that's not to say that you can be late for your next meeting because Jesus does it. But what we see is that when... Christ encounters those with needs. He often takes a detour from his schedule because he knows that people need to be served. He breaks away from his routine. He frees men from evil spirits and mental sickness. He sees men and women with diseases and paralysis and he has compassion on them and he heals them. He sees people spiritually hungry and needy, and he takes his whole day to teach them. And when they're physically hungry, he feeds them as well. And he's in the middle of all this in chapter 6, and this will be a familiar passage to you because it's the the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay, And usually the teaching is on that miracle or or with regard to Jesus' comment that the people are like sheep without shepherds. But... There's something else embedded in here that I want to focus on. It's an example, a signature example of Jesus living out patience. Verse 16 through 13, Jesus sends out his disciples to preach. Okay, Uh, they're to go preach and heal. And they do that. And then they come back and they're tired from the trip. Uh, We don't know if it's if it's an hour later now or maybe even a couple days later. But we pick it up in verse 30. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So the disciples have been out for a while, okay? 
traveling on foot with basically nothing. If you read that passage, Jesus sent them out with nothing but a staff. He said, go with no bread, no bag, no money, no extra clothes, just some sandals. And earn your keep while you preach and teach and heal. And now they're back and they're tired. And if you've ever felt exhausted from a hard week's work, you know how they feel right now. But it says they're telling Jesus all about what they did and what happened on this trip because he is their teacher and mentor and they want to report back. They want to let him know. may even be a little pride in the air as they tell of their success and they marvel at how hard they've been working for the ministry of God. But they're telling Jesus, it says there are a lot of people around. Uh, They're coming to see Jesus and hear the amazing things he's teaching, the controversial things he is saying. Uh, They're coming to get something from Jesus because they've heard so much about the amazing and miraculous things he's done. Jesus, you've got to imagine he's also tired. He's been doing this for a long time. And it says... uh, that they're, they're tired. It says he's, he's gone along the way without any rest. They've all basically been hard at work serving people for a long time. And it says they haven't had a chance to eat. So you know they're busy. You know how it goes when you're working a work day and you just work through lunch because you forgot it was lunchtime. So Jesus is in this situation with his disciples and his thoughts suddenly turn from the masses and his thoughts turn to his disciples because he knows the situation. He knows what they really need. And he's a servant. He knows they need rest and food. He wants to create some downtime for them and himself as well. He knows a deserted place. And it says they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Somewhere to escape the crowds and take a little rest and have a bite to eat. But then in verse 33, it says this. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Okay, not good, right? Uh, As they start to slip away in the boat, some people see them. And these people are probably thinking, well, wait now, we didn't get our fill. We didn't get to hear Jesus. We have people in our family we want to bring and we want him to heal. uh, All these things. It's like, wait, where are they going? We've got to find out where they're going and uh, let's get there. Tell everybody in the towns and and let's go wherever Jesus is going. Let's get there. And they're going to head them off. It's not good, especially if you're the disciples and they're bent on this relaxing cruise across the lake. And, you know, some downtime with Jesus. Finally, we're going to have some quiet, peaceful time with Jesus. I can't wait. You know, and then it says, when they landed, they saw a peaceful beach with a picnic lunch in the shade of the palm trees and the sound of water on the shoreline. No, it doesn't say that, unfortunately, right? You know what's coming. It says, they saw a great crowd who had ruined their vacation. They found more of what they were basically trying to escape from. So now it's not quiet or remote. Now it's full of people wanting something. The promise of a meal is gone. The hope of a quick nap is history. And their whole quiet time is completely disrupted. Try to imagine that in your head. I'm going I'm to 
paint a picture of it maybe just a little bit different. And you're going to uh, really immediately see this as, as uh, what about Bob? You guys have seen this old movie? Okay, think about that movie. And here's the situation. Suppose you're a doctor, okay? Dr. Smith. And uh, you've been working hard all month, long days, on call time. And you decide, it's time now. I gotta, I'm going to take vacation. You grab your family. You make some plans. You go to a vacation house that you know about. And you're headed on your way out that out to that, uh, that place where it's going to be quiet vacation. And when you get there, you pull up and you see Bob. Or you see a bunch of cars parked there. And you see all these people standing out in front. You and your family get out of the car and you walk out. And a guy walks up to you and he says, he says Dr. Smith? Yeah. And, and he says, well, we're all people with a lot of medical needs. Uh, we looked into your travel plans. <laughs> we uh, came here because we knew you'd be here. And we would like you to... to to treat us, we have needs that we think you can you can uh, heal or at least uh, take a look at. So, could, would you please do that for us now? And it won't take for maybe it'll take today, maybe tomorrow, maybe, uh, man, maybe it'll take a week as I look around, and see all these people. But that's kind of the situation. It's not exactly the same as what Jesus is experiencing, right? But you get the picture of what's going on here. And now, ask yourself, how would you react to that? Would it be a good reaction i don't know i thought of myself and i thought i might act uh, we're going to watch a clip here think about whether you'd act this way or maybe a little more like what you think jesus would do Whoa, i put up signs i'm a terrifying ogre what do i have to do to get a little privacy oh no oh no no Right. I mean, who has never seen the first Shrek movie? But I mean, it's OK. Funny movie. You should get it. Check it out. But the master of impatience. Right. Uh, Shrek is. So <laughs> when I was reading through this and I thought about that, how would I act? And for some reason, I thought of this scene. <laughs> that would be my initial reaction, you know, but I, I would hope not, you know, because let's take a look at what, I, what the scripture says and what Christ did. Um, We pick this up um, in verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And I look at Jesus' patience here, his grace and his compassion, and it amazes me because he's not phased by his plans being interrupted uh, in such a way, he says, it's okay. You know, I'm in control. I got this. These people need help. I mean, they're being kind of rude. They maybe they don't deserve it, but I love these people. And I can help them. So let's go. And he says, it says he teaches them many things. But the disciples 
The disciples, a little less patient. Okay? They, uh, um, they were tired to start with. Their siesta time was denied. And now Jesus wants to keep on teaching, and they aren't having it in verse 35. They say, by this time, it says, by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? (laughs) That is so me right there. How many loaves do you have? Jesus said, go and see. And Jesus goes on to miraculously feed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a couple of fish. Jesus provides for the situation. He's waiting for the disciples to pick this up and see that what's really important here is that we meet the needs of these people. He says, come on, guys, don't worry about the money. If you have just the desire to help these people, I'll provide everything else you need. Jesus has servant on his mind. He has love on his mind. But the disciples, they want to get rid of these people. And they're whining. Uh, We're way out in the middle of nowhere. And it's getting really late and there's no food. Uh, Send these people away so they can get themselves some food and we can take a nap. But Jesus is in, like I said, he's in teacher mode. And he tells them, you get them some food. You meet their needs. Change your focus. Get it off yourselves. And look at these people's needs. And of course, their response is, do you know how much money that would cost? And I think a lot of our worry and impatience with circumstances and people stems from the fear that we're limited in some way. And we can't overcome that. And we can't deal with a particular situation because of it. It could be financial. It could be a personality flaw that you think you have. It could be some area in your life that needs growth that you think that is just keeping you from approaching situations with people because you believe you're not going to be effective at it because you don't have what it takes Maybe one of those is patience. But I think we need to see the needs of people around us, make ourselves available, and let God provide the right circumstances and the wisdom and the resources and allow it to happen. So there's Jesus, never thinking of himself, always putting the needs of others before his own and never getting tired of serving. Jesus is the greatest model of a servant ever. He's being pulled every direction. He doesn't lose his patience and he doesn't neglect the needs of those around him. He gets tired and robbed of his time to rest, but he persists in love. And in this one instance of serving and meeting the needs of people, I see an incredible display of compassion and patience. So I I want you to just think for a minute back to a time, if you can. Think about what kinds of situations cause you to lose your patience with people. Can you think of an example? Just in your mind, think about it. Think back to one. Do you remember what happened? Do you remember the outcome of the situation? Was it good? 
Probably not, right? I mean, did it build strong relationships? Did it lift someone up or encourage them? Probably not. In fact, if you're like me and you think back to a time like that where you acted out of frustration or anger, uh, you probably just shake your head and think, what was I thinking? You know, why, what, what was the problem in the first place? Why did I act like that? See, in order to love people and encourage them and help them, we need to develop patience because we get easily irritated or offended or annoyed. And those characteristics are not characteristics that God wants us to excel at. Listen to this from a book by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road, a book about repentance and personal revival. He says, how easily provoked we are, how quick to be irritated by something about the other. How often we allow the unkind thought, the resentful feeling over something the other has done. Yet we profess there are no failures in love in our home. These things happen every day and we think nothing of them. They are all, all of them, the opposite of love. And the opposite of love is hate. Impatience is hate. Envy is hate. Conceit and self-will are hate, and so are selfishness, irritability, and resentment. And hate is sin. What tensions, barriers, and discord it all causes, and fellowship with both God and the other is made impossible. Does that ring true for anybody? He goes on to talk about... Just remember that to the degree with, with which you... Uh, act with impatience with people, you may also do that with God. When you put up walls with people because of your impatience, you probably also do that with God because he, write, he goes on to write about this. Uh, he says, fellowship with others is as important as fellowship with Jesus. Indeed, the two are intimately connected. Our relationship with others and our relationship with God are so linked that we cannot disturb one without disturbing the other. Everything that comes between us and another, such as impatience, resentment, or envy, comes between us and God. It is clear why these two relationships should be so linked. God is love. That is love for others. And the moment we fail in love towards another, we put ourselves out of fellowship with God, for God loves them, the others, even if we don't. He has some good words of, of wisdom there. Sometimes, for whatever reason, the hardest thing for us to do when people try our patience is just to respond with love. So we need to develop that because it doesn't just come natural for us, does it? So why do we need to develop that and have patience? Just because it's awesome. No, really, uh, being patient with people shows love in a meaningful and tangible way. Okay, it can turn a tense conversation into a calm, meaningful discussion, an encouraging discussion. It can strengthen friendships. Augustine said, patience is the companion of wisdom. Proverbs 14 says, a, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly or foolishness. Proverbs 15, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. In Proverbs 29, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. 
So how can we develop some patience? I want to encourage you in this because it's important and it will help you in all your relationships. So my encouragement is for you to think about a few things this week. Uh, Let's start with this. First of all, if you struggle with patience, first thing to do is name it. Identify the impatience in your life and call it what it is. It's sin. Okay, it's disobedience toward God. We just talked about this. Recognize those situations at home or work or church or wherever that cause you to become resentful or irritated or envious or angered. And it's probably related to impatience on your part or maybe someone else's part. You may need to pray and ask God to show it to you because sometimes we're blind to it. Have you experienced that? We just don't see it. So maybe somebody has to tell us. And when someone tells you that, you need to be patient with that too. That's tough. That's tough to hear. So identify it. And then humble yourself before God and confess it. And tell God that you see this problem in your life and that you want to change. Rely on his power and providence to begin to change that behavior in your life. And he will. Tell him you want to be free from it. Be prayerful about it daily, especially when you're going into a situation where you know you might have a problem. Bring it to him. And then look at Jesus. Why? First, because he's the one who is perfect at patience. Read about Christ's examples of patience in tough situation. How many times did he find that his disciples still didn't understand his teaching and so he patiently helps them to see things from a different perspective? How many times did people interrupt Jesus like we just read about while he was traveling or teaching or sitting in someone's house and he stops and has compassion on them and he meets their needs? How many times was he insulted or accused in front of others and his reaction is to respond with calm integrity? Learn from Jesus' example. And secondly, remember that Christ has infinite patience with, guess who? Us. Always forgiving. Removing our sins as far as what? The east is from the west. Or where are we? Yeah, east is from the west. (laughs) Without holding, uh, he, he withholds judgment on us that we certainly deserve. So because he is always patient with us, we should also be patient with others. And in that way, people might come to know the patience and kindness of God. I want to read this from 1 Timothy 1. Paul writing, um, yeah, in chapter 1, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Your patience can help others along in their understanding of God and help others along toward putting their faith in him. Here's another one. Change perspectives. Okay, be others oriented. Look at some of the some of the needs around you. Find out what's going on in people's lives that might give you some clues into why they behave in a way that frustrates you if you have some of those situations. Realize in doing this, sometimes you've got to put aside your 
your agenda and your tight schedule. Ah, that's hard to do, right? It's a sacrifice to take our living life today. You've got tight schedules, right? I know you all do. And to carve out a little bit of time in that schedule is a sacrifice. But if it's done because you want to honor God and be a servant to someone and meet their needs because you love them, it's a sacrifice that is so pleasing to God. And also part of that changing perspectives is is change your perspective in life and your approach to your, your busy schedule to insert some slow down time. Get your rest that you need. There's a reason Jesus was making this plan in his head to get he and the disciples away and get some rest and some food because he knows us intimately, doesn't he? He knows how much we can take. How long can we work before we are just out, we're burned out, and we need to refuel? He knows we need to refuel. And if you're overdoing it, your patience is already hamstrung. Finally, don't give up because, look, in most situations when patience is demonstrated, friends are strengthened. Relationships are built up. People's needs are met. Conflict and rough situations will be smoothed out and potential hurt will be avoided. But you might find, some of you have found this, that even after extending patience to someone who may not have deserved it in the first place, and that's called grace, that their reaction to that is not what you had expected. They might make decisions or act in a way that makes you think they're ungrateful or spiteful. And the tendency in that situation is what? To get even more frustrated and more irritated. But remember that patience is what? It's love. And part of what we heard about love in 1 Corinthians is that it perseveres, right? It's unconditional. It does not... Get easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So look into that in your life. Is there a possibility that you extend love and grace until the point where you've had it up to here and then it's all over and the gloves are coming off or, you know, your anger just comes out and and all the progress you've made is gone. It's just that quick. As soon as you lose patience. Patience is such a good thing. It's an important thing. It's a hard thing for many of us to learn, to have the patience of a saint. And I didn't choose that title as, a, as a, like a reference to someone in Scripture who had just had great patience. The saints. Who are the saints? It's us, right? Yeah. So we're the saints. So you know what this is about? This is about us learning patience. We're the saints. It's about us learning to love like Christ loved. And when we learn it, we become better at the commandments that God said were the most important. His commandments for us, what were the two that he said were the most important? Look at this in Mark 12, 29. You remember this. The most important one, Jesus said, is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than than these. And in order to do those things and live those commandments, we need patience, don't we? We need love. We need that, that action kind of love. So, so uh, yeah, just looking around, you know, it's, and, and what I found when I was studying this, it kind of got heavy for me. Just thinking about patience and realizing, oh, there's some areas in my life where I thought I had patience, 
But in reality, there's some times when just little things, and I'm not even talking about the dog, but just little things, you know, just kind of set you off. So let's pray about this to close. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. And bring it to God right now, even if you already know that you need to develop better patience. This is a great time to tell God about it. Ask him. Ask God to deal with that sin in your life. If you don't think you're impatient, ask God if that's really true. Or if he needs maybe to show you some places where patience is needed, where impatience is causing some strains in your relationships. And maybe you aren't aware of it. Bring it to him because I know that he will honor that. Let's just take a minute right now even as we think about that and pray to him. God, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for the examples of love and your word, God. It shows us that love is something we live and not just a feeling that we have. We thank you for showing us what it means to love in a patient way, God. I ask that you'd give us the same compassion you have for the people in our lives that you do. So that we'll learn to be patient with them, God. For the people who have prayed to you this morning already um, for help with this particular area of life, I just say thank you, God, because I know you'll honor those prayers that are, that are prayed in sincerity. Thank you, God, for your unending patience with us, even when we don't deserve it, God. I pray that we begin to understand the height and breadth and depth of your love for us so that we can learn to love the way you do, God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy toward us and for teaching us, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.